Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. I'm here to tell you about Bolin Branch sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. They're made from the rarest organic cotton and designed to get even softer over time. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order with code RESTful15. So head to bollnbranch.com today. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Recorded live. Thank you for tuning in, DYRP, Mr. Mark Simmons, with your host, Prophetess Adrena Turner. And tonight, again, the topic is falling away. Church is the premises of this teaching tonight. Also, I want to target on the Christian body as a whole, some things that I've been noticing, some things that I've been hearing from other ministers or brothers and sisters in Christ that have also brought it to my attention. I pray that this word will bless you, so let me go ahead and open up in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this day. We repent of any sins, anything that is not like you. Lord, please let your word speak through my mouth. Let me decrease as your holy power increase in me, Lord. Let this word be delivered on ears that will hear your word, that will apply this in their lives and carry out this message. Let it feed the masses, Lord. Let us make disciples of Jesus Christ, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, let us become more like you. Let us put aside the cares of the world, the cares of our problems and issues, Lord, and let us focus back on you. Let us be able to worship and serve wholeheartedly and to give you praise and honor where it's most deserved. I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity of this message you put in me just a couple nights ago. And I pray that your word will be delivered to your people that hear it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, as I was looking at the Christian body, some things that were mentioned to me is that we need to be more positive. And when I thought about this woman of God texting me this, saying, you know, what's wrong with us right now? Many of us are judgmental. We like to criticize the members in the church. We like to point out other people's sins. And as we know, when Jesus looked at the Pharisees, he called them hypocrites and vipers because they were also someone that would point out why, Jesus, are you sitting with sinners? There's a point in the Bible where Jesus was dining with sinners. Now, maybe the word positive can be taken seriously, lightly, or diminished at all, but what I understand when I think about being positive is that with Jesus, we are the salt of this earth, and we are to preserve his word, and we are the light of this world. So therefore, they should see a light in you, shining within you, something about you that you possess inside of you. More people want to become like you. They want to know who you are. And more importantly, why are you this way? So if you come with a certain demeanor around people, they're wondering why does this person seem to be happy, seem to be loving, seem to not let the troubles of the world bother them. And that's where you can draw men and or women unto Christ. And there's a scripture that talks about 
draw man unto me. But how can you draw man unto Christ if you're not Christ-like, if you're not possessing things that are like God? And as we know, God is love. And if you're not showcasing his love, his care for people where they're at, praying for them, believing that miracles will transpire in their lives, then that's key. So some of us are just using biblical words or scriptures or passages at our liking and saying that to people, but are we demonstrating Christ to them? Do we see Christ in them? So let's think about that. Are we drawing men unto Christ? Are we positively and lovingly bringing people to Christ? I really would hate to see us be hypocrites, which is just basically someone that identify that they're Christ-like or they got on their bumper of their car, bumper sticker saying, you know, I love the Lord or Christ is in me. God is in me, just different things that really represent Christ. Some people have the fish symbol. But, however, as soon as they get out the car, they're just like everybody else. They're cussing people out. They're angry about nothing. And they carry on in a demeanor that is like, are you really a Christian? Are you really living for the Lord? Excuse me for that if you hear that. It was something I was doing earlier. But... It's like we're vipers, we're snakes. We're looking for motives, we're looking for opportunities instead of really those opportunities to bring people to Christ, which is our real mission here. And so what brings men and women to Christ? When I really thought about that, it's that unconditional love, agape love towards them. As I stated earlier, meet them where they are but help them see Christ in you and all that you do, all that you say, how you live your life, where Christ shines in your presence without you beating them with Scripture, with words, or pointing Scriptures at them all the time. You have to continuously encourage them. The Word speaks about building people up, but instead we're discouraging them and tearing them down. Find opportunities to get close with them without sinning. I know sometimes, you know, we want to meet them in the club. We want to meet them where they are. But if it causes us to sin, then no, I wouldn't highly recommend it. If you know you're weak and that's where you used to be and that's what you used to do, you may not can meet them in the drug house. You used to be a coke addict 10 years ago or you were sober 10 years ago. But if you can have that strength, which is Jesus Christ's strength, not muster up your own strength, then take those opportunities where you were once weak and help them be strong. Number two, when I look at the Christian body, is believing. As believers, that's our key point, aside from love, which is the greatest of all three, which is hope, faith, and love in 1 Corinthians 10. Um, No, 1 Corinthians 13, excuse me. 10 speaks about this. And so as believers, we believed in Christ. That's how we became believers of Jesus Christ, is that we had to believe in him. We had to believe that he died for our sins on the cross, 
took our punishment so that we may live with him. But what's been troubling me is that I kind of feel that sometimes we're using flattery words, we're twisting the word, and we're constantly talking about this anointing. So-and-so has to be anointed in order to speak the word, or there is an anointing that I feel in the house right now. When I look at the Bible, I constantly see things about Jesus' power, the power in his name. And that's the question I've been asking myself in the Christian body. Do we possess such power where we see people rising or being raised from the dead? We're seeing, witnessing miracles that Jesus Christ did. Because there were times where even Jesus' disciples couldn't perform a miracle. And they ran to Jesus asking, why couldn't we do it after they watched Jesus perform? And he said, what little faith you have. They didn't realize just speaking his name and believing in him could do such miracles. Now, don't get me wrong, there's certain ones that he speaks about that you could only heal if you were praying and fasting. And in the body of Christ, Unfortunately, we're expecting miracles. We're expecting these anointing factors to happen and transform in the body. But we're not being transformed. We're not going through those necessary transitions of praying and fasting and trusting in his word. We just want to go through the experience or see the experience. And sometimes we go to um, the church itself just to see mother so-and-so or our girlfriends and just say that, hey, we went to church, give high fives, and go back doing our business and forget Christ altogether until next Sunday or Sabbath day. But remember, God will give us an opportunity to reach a stiff-necked generation. We are living in the days just like it will be with Noah. The Bible speaks about that in the New Testament. But my question is to you, will it be worse? If I'm not mistaken, I came across some passages that said, you know, if it's going to be like the days of Noah, it is anticipated to be much or far worse. So when we think about the days of Noah, well, one thing was sex was very rampant. Even with gay relationships, um, there, you know, I really had to pray about this, like what part of it should I discuss, but it was very rampant. And we're seeing that again today. We're falling away. Even in the church body, there are ministers known for molesting or raping young people. Priests definitely taking advantage of young boys. There's relationships outside of their marriage in the church. And we're supposed to be separate. We're not supposed to be like the world. We live in it, but we're not supposed to be like. But unfortunately, it's hard to distinguish the church from the world. Also, we have the Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court, which is the highest law-abiding court in our country, 
to accept and allow gay marriages. Now it's been governed in all 50 states. It's no longer like certain states that I got to go there to get married to my partner or my domestic partner is what they use the terminology here in California. But that's something that happened during the days of, of Noah with Sodom and Gomorrah. So there's other issues, more to the point where they fell away from God altogether. They didn't go to God for anything. They figured we could do everything ourselves. We can enjoy life, the pleasures of the world, pleasures of men, and just literally took over. And it got so rampant where it drew the attention of God to come down and send his two angels to see what's going on, even with Abraham. When you look at Lot's situation, and Abraham pleaded to God, please don't destroy that city with fire if there's at least 50 people, 30 people, 20 people, until it got down to 10. And he humbly asked God, please spare that land. Spare these people. And I'm thinking about Christ right now. He's looking at us and saying, you know, my children are repeating the same things over and over that I've spared them from, that I've sacrificed my life, and they're constantly sticking me still in my side. I can still see myself nailed upon that cross with thorns in my head, watching me bleed out and cry unto my father. And he even told some of the the people that were really torturing him before he set himself upon that cross to forgive them for they not know. But he's blessed us to know his word. Take your Bible off the shelf, dust it, and get back in it. Once again, some of the topics we looked at when the Christian body is to be more positive, basically Christ is saying, draw men unto me. Number two is believing in Christ is our first step. And believe in the power that we possess as believers. Greater things that we would do. Some of us have witnessed those greater things, but we have to be spending that time with Christ, knowing his word, believing in his word, speaking those things into existence. And now number three is more unity because the devil is looking for division. He's looking for opportunities to steal our joy. He's looking for opportunities to destroy those relationships that were once solid. Now they're broken. He does that even in the church, and we keep taking the bait. Keep taking the bait of Satan. Well, sister, so-and-so gossiping and talking about me and trying to put my name to shame. Pray about it. Ask the Father how you go about it. Because there is a passage in the Bible that speaks about when someone in the church is doing wrong, you go to your elder. If the elders don't do anything, you go higher than that. 
but you are to discuss it first and foremost with that brother or sister that is speaking ill will against you or doing those things with you. Go to them and try to work that out. Not in anger, not cursing them out and I'm going to do this and that to so-and-so. No. You go in love. And if you can't wear it out, you go to the elders. If you can't work that out, you know, through it all, you definitely have to go to Christ. But we need more unity. So how can we get more unity if we're falling further away from God, further away from the church body? Well, also when we look at the days of Noah, sin was more visible and rampant, and they constantly justified their behaviors. Well, with us, sin is more visible. You can't even turn on a commercial without seeing sex, selling sex. And it's more rampant with the Internet. Easily you can see different things that are not like God. Evil is rampant with TV shows like Lucifer, Exorcist, and so forth. And we constantly, even as believers, are justifying our behaviors. We'll take parts of the word and say, well, that's why I'm doing such and such, and God knows my heart, it's okay. And But instead, we need to change our way of thinking, and we need to nourish our temples in the word of God. We need to be fed spiritually and make those necessary sacrifices. Even if it's just spending an hour with God, it may be a sacrifice for some people. Satan wants to keep you busy. Busy is an acronym for being under Satan's yoke. B-U-S-Y, being under Satan's yoke. So make those necessary changes or sacrifices and, of course, obedient to God and his word. God speaks to his word. He also speaks to you through different means. Be spiritually aware, spiritually open to those things. Number four, we need to preach true doctrine, the living word. Today we're seeing an uprising of false teachings and leaders. They're more concerned about greed and wealth instead of soul saving. Jesus speaks about the harvest all the time, and in some parables, that harvest is bringing people to Christ. Strength comes in numbers. If we're not united as believers, how can we draw men unto him? Some people are concerned about fame and prestige. There's shows that are showing bishops and pastors and ministers on TV living in lavish homes and driving luxury cars and just worrying about certain platforms that start at 10000 plus to pay me to come speak at your event or to speak even at your church. Instead of helping the church body as a whole, members that are broken financially, spiritually, emotionally, for example, we're not tending to those needs. We're not tending to the sheep. And a stricken nation was like the Israelites. They were hard-headed as well numerous times when you look through the Old Testament until they got a good licking to keep ticking by Yahweh God. Unfortunately, they were enslaved. They went 400 years of slavery. 
and then it brought them back to God. There were certain prophets that tried to give warnings ahead of time, and they wouldn't listen. And so today, when we look at people in the body, the fivefold ministry, it's all about titles, prestige, fame, their own glory instead of showing Jesus' glory. So when will we do greater things in this generation if we're falling away? There's division in our courts, among our churches, among our leaders, among our members, among denominations, among our teaching. Is Jesus pleased? We have to remain focused in these testing times. We cannot continue to miss the mark. Jesus is the mark. He is the target. He's our creator. He created beings to love him, but more importantly, to worship him, to praise him, to give him his glory. And as I stated earlier, he will spare the land. And as if he could only find ten. You know, when I told you about Abraham's story in the days of Noah with Sodom and Gomorrah, wow, they couldn't even find that, and that's where fire came under them. But when Noah, you know, some people said, well, he's building an ark and rain shall fall, at that time they didn't experience rain. You know, there are some places that, certain parts of California that will never experience snow. If all of a sudden you see snow, you say, what's going on? I wasn't prepared for this. So they they laughed at it because at that time they were living like in a desert-like land and they never seen rain come from the sky. It was new to them. So no way could they take that warning from such a prophet that is giving a forecast of something that has never even happened since they've lived there, since they've been born. And so I would just hate to see us get washed away in our sin and never be able to come afloat, never be able to help someone that seriously needs to know Christ, to better ourselves. And so I thought about it. Will Jesus spare this land with all the nonsense that's going on right now? So what is the church role? Well, when I think about spiritual matters, it's about salvation. It's about repentance. It's about life after death. We live in a temporal world. We have to think about eternal life. Where will we spend eternity? The sacraments, such as baptism, the holy communion, remembering that He shed his blood for us, taking a part of his body, which is the bread, and drinking his blood, which is the wine or uh, some kind of grape-flavored juice, to remember that he made that sacrifice for us. And scriptures, teaching the word. And Jesus tells us about catching fish. That was something else that kind of got me in the body and how we're falling away from that. And an example was with Peter, you know, when some of the fishermen were fishing all night long, 
and they couldn't catch anything. Then Jesus offered a method or a way for them to catch fish. By then they were worn out, they were tired, exhausted, keep throwing the net and and trying what they knew was best for their livelihood. This This was their livelihood. They caught fish, delivered it, I'm quite sure, to different towns, different places that would pay them for their hard work. But at this time, they were hungry, and they're trying to catch these fish that they've been doing for many years as an occupation, a vocation, a career. And for some reason, they could not catch no matter where they threw it. So finally, Jesus tells them to let down the net. They obeyed, regardless of their tiredness, maybe the way their mind was thinking. They could have been frustrated or stressed. But once he obeyed, they caught many fish that the net broke. So Jesus, metaphorically, is still asking us as believers to drop our nets. We've got to drop the illogical way of thinking, those ways are no longer working. When we were once sinners and now we're new creatures that come to Christ, we should have a new attitude, a new way of looking at things because we are saturated in the word. We're understanding the word. We're spending time with the Father. And so now we're following things Christ's way. So we need to drop what was old and bring in what is new. Drop that way of our past thinking and allow Jesus to teach you, to mold you. For he's our creator. He knows what is best for our lives and for our situation. As we know, there's a scripture that talks about sacrifice is better than obedience. We as believers give up too easily, not willing to make the necessary sacrifices to follow him or to follow through something that he's asked us to do. We're falling away. Are our nets catching fish? Fish is another metaphoric term or symbolically meaning men and women to him. As I stated earlier, draw men unto him, but instead we're drawing them to our own selfish motives and reasons or pleasures. Then I came across a passage in 1 Timothy 5, 8 in the NIV. It talks about taking care of your family. It's where a man or a person who doesn't take care of their family is worse than an unbeliever. Yes. Let me repeat that again. A man who does not take care of their family is worse than an unbeliever. So I think about the pastors, which are noticed as a shepherd over their flock, which is the members of the body of Christ. They're responsible to teach the word effectively, not just fluently, but effectively with compassion to see many saved and continually living a Christ-like life as an example. Because their blood, these people that they're supposed to be ministering to, teaching, their blood is on these pastors or teachers, or ministers' hands. We are to bring them to Christ and speak God's word boldly and confidently to help heal the hearts and the minds. 
that have were, were once troubled, were once sinners, you know, once moved and touched by the woes and the cares of this world. We are to stand by their side and help them find the one and true God. A pastor is also the leader of their spiritual household. But we're falling away from even praying as a body, serving, worshiping the one who has gave us life, made us new creatures, giving us the opportunity of having eternal life to spend with him what initially he wanted us in the beginning of time in the book of Genesis when he created Adam, gave him a helpmate known as Eve. He wanted them to live in paradise forever, to never die. Once again, with this eternal life, once we come to Christ, he wants us to live forever with him, our creator, where we could be with him in the cool of the day, spending eternal life with the one who loved us most. But we're caught up in this mundane routine. We're on autopilot where we're not consciously awake or paying full attention to what is clearly happening to us every day. It is no surprise to me that our current president is in office. No surprise to me whatsoever. But we are to pay full attention to our spiritual being. We are created of three parts. And when you think about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we are three beings as well. We have a spiritual, we have a physical, which is our flesh, and we battle with that quite some time. <laughs> and we have also what we call our soul. Our soul deals with our mind and emotions, but we have these feelings, we have these thoughts, and that is why Jesus speaks about cast those thoughts down. It's simply those thoughts that are evil, that are negative, that are not like him. So our soul, our mind, sometimes the enemy speaks to our mind. Yes, even certain thoughts come in our mind that we know is not like God, and we battle with that, just like we battle with our spiritual man where it's easy to go and do what the flesh wants and desires and needs instead of focusing wholeheartedly on our spiritual. It seems like out of all three, we neglect our spiritual. So let's refuel and get filled up with this word and his holy presence. I think about that song by Juanita Bynum, Shake Us Up Again, Lord. Wake us up. And his anointing power. We need to be shook up. We're falling away from Jesus. Our true mission as followers is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Instead, we're focusing on making members, which cover the cost, instead of sacrificing for the cost. We are supposed to go forward and make disciples of Jesus Christ, not looking to have members to pay the cost by tithing and constantly reeling that in to believers just to cover your own expenses such as building maintenance, utilities and expenses, loans or your mortgages, your pastor's salary. Tithing now today is focusing more on getting more members in the church body than saving souls and making disciples of Jesus Christ. That's how I feel we are falling away. 
So in summary, once again, even though we're living in this stricken nation and we're repeating things, in the body, let's be more loving or positive. Let's draw man unto Christ. Let's continually believe in his power. Let's continue to believe on Jesus' promises. Let's continue to believe is our main focus, is to believe in him. Also, more unity in the body, unity instead of division. Also, preach true doctrine instead of this uprising of false teachings and leaders. Okay? And let's know our role, which is to make disciples of Jesus Christ in Matthew 28. And let's stop looking at things are routine or I'm worn out doing things for Christ. Be grateful that he's chosen you. Each one of us have a purpose. Each one of us, he created us wonderfully and fearfully. Each one, he created certain things in us that we thrive when we do it. We strive when we do it, and it comes alive in us. We'll do it freely and wholeheartedly and lovingly. Let's show Christ instead of keep falling away further from him or being this fallen away church. I thank you so much for tuning in here on DYRP Miss the Mark series on this Friday evening. You could be doing anything else on a Friday night on what the Jewish look at Friday night to Saturday is the Sabbath. So thank you for being here on the Sabbath and taking that time to spend with your creator. Amen. So, dear Lord, I thank you for this word going forth. I pray that your people were able to hear and receive this word. Excuse me. Lord, let it dwell in their minds, their hearts, and their souls. Let the spiritual beings be awakened, Lord. Shake us up in this hour, Lord. Let us be a forgiving nation, not a stricken nation, not a stiff-necked nation or hard-headed, Lord. Let us be able to follow you wholeheartedly and willingly. Make those necessary sacrifices. Show love to others. Show Christ lives in each one of us. Let us believe in the power of your name. Shall heal this land. Shall spare your people, Lord. Let us have more unity, be more loving, more positive, Lord. Oh, I just thank you, Lord, for your word to saturate in us, for your presence to be with us. I thank you, Lord, for everything that you've done for us, and each and every one of us will be able to carry out your word. Let us deposit this in other people, Lord, those that are suffering, Lord. Let us be able to pray for them. Let us be those warriors. Let us believe for them that your miracles will take place that they will be transformed by the renewing of their hearts and their minds, Lord. I thank you right now for this opportunity to be able to teach and preach your word. Well, we're missing the mark, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, for missing time with you. Forgive us, Lord, for missing time with your word. Forgive us, Lord, for not praying to you enough, for not believing in you enough. Lord, forgive us for those sins that we have done over and over again. Lord, please help us and heal this land right now in Jesus' name, Lord. I pray for all our officials, president, everyone that you have allowed to be in control, Lord, 
and prepare us as believers, Lord, for what is to come. Continue to love us, Lord. Continue to be there for us, Lord, in our needs. You said you would supply all our needs, so, Lord, we're trusting in you that you would do just that. And, Lord, let us be able to submit to you and resist the devil, for he shall flee. We have to submit to you and do what you have called us to do in this hour. We thank you so much, Lord, for those that were willing to spend the time, those that were willing to go on the battlefield and pray and believe and watch the power manifest in these people's lives. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be soul-saving, making disciples of Jesus Christ in this hour. We thank you, Lord, for the gifts and the ability and the talent and the skills that you have equipped each and every one of us. Lord, it is not about titles or fame. It is not about certain things that we have carelessly and limit ourselves into looking into. Instead, we have to trust you wholeheartedly, have a faith that pleases you, Lord. Be willing to step out and walk on water and be transformed by you. To be transforming factor in other people's lives and watch you at work. You get the credit. You get the glory. And we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you, everyone, for Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.